Let us read together the commandment for our study today. The Eighth Commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not lie about, betray, or slander our neighbor, but excuse him, speak well of him, and put the best construction on everything. You may be seated. And dear fellow redeemed in Christ, recently a Lutheran pastor noted It seems it's becoming far easier for folks, even Christians, to verbally lunge at one another, to think the worst of a brother or sister in Christ, and then to go for the jugular without any concern for context, responsibility, relationship, history, authority, and a whole host of other factors that play into the lives that comprise a community of faith. Civility of language has taken a beating this past year, but this is not new. We humans, given the gift of speech by our Creator, have used it against our fellow humans with great skill, wielding wielding it as the weapon of choice, allowing ourselves to think that because we really have not shed any blood, We haven't really caused hurt. Our Lord has warned us of the dangers of our speech. In the apostles' letters of James and Peter, we read, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. These are true about us, and this is why there's that deliberately given mandate from God that demands right speech about our neighbors and prohibits lies, slander, and betrayal. God desires that our words about others do no harm to them, but protect and encourage them. The speed with which our cruel and hurtful words about others can be passed along to any number of others does not help our situation. Gossip has always moved quickly, but today it spreads faster than ever before. Various Twitter feeds and other mass media can pick up a careless statement of someone in the elite class and make sure that whoever said it will be punished with the cuts of 10,000 tweets. For those of us without elite status, our words will still travel, ricocheting around the internet. Lies and slander, just plain gossip, fill the various news media. Some years ago, I was listening to a sports channel, and I realized all they're doing is spreading gossip. They don't know if player A said something to Coach W, but they will spend hours diagnosing that supposed statement with no facts, but it's entertaining, and so we let it go. We are so used to the warnings of the Eighth Commandment not applying in any real way, but there's a major exception, and perhaps you know what that exception is. It's when you are the one lied about or slandered or the target of gossip. Then you care. 
then you care a lot. Then it is your name that's being thrown on the manure pile. Then it is your reputation that is ruined. People look at you and without ever knowing you or hearing you speak, presume that they can judge you and they will find you guilty. Of what? Well, who knows or who cares? You might have said something harmful. You might have thought something harmful. They might be able to go back in your history and find something in the last decade or two that was not so nice. And so you are then persona non grata. It isn't new. The Eighth Commandment has always been easily broken, even with delight as we relish hearing something that harms our neighbors, and perhaps allowing us a little bit of superiority over that person. You know, we cannot abolish the various ways that slander is spread in our society today, but we can control our own involvement. You don't have to type in that mean comment. You don't have to forward that bit of news, but we do. As we go through this, remember what we've been hearing throughout our study of the commandments, and that is that this law is a diagnostic tool. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. This law shows sin, certainly shows the sins of others, but even more, it shows us, if we're paying attention, our own sins. We failed once more, both by harming the reputation of others and failing to protect the name of others. Sins of commission and sins of omission, exposed by this truth from God, our obligation to know when we should be quiet and when we should speak up by speaking well of those whom others slander. We fail at this obligation, as we do all the other demands of God's perfect and holy law. The laws are given to protect and defend, but we ignore them. Our need is great for the forgiveness of our sins of slander and gossip betrayal, failure to excuse others, failure to put the best construction on the words others have said. We may and we should work on simply being quiet. You know, believe it or not, you don't have to respond to the nastiness of others. We may and should work on protecting the reputations of others, even those whom we don't like but who still deserve to be treated with kind words. But the prophet Isaiah points us to one who is greater than any of our sins and who kept this eighth commandment perfectly for you. In Isaiah chapter 53, that great chapter of the suffering servant that so dominates rightly our Lenten devotions throughout this time, there we read, he, that is this servant, whom we call Jesus the Christ. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And then directly following that in Matthew 27, what Isaiah actually was predicting, Jesus stood before the governor and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, you have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, Jesus gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Well, this is a great example that we see in Jesus, 
Our real help is not going to be in trying to do what Jesus did. But rather, I want you to see him here as your substitute. See what he did, what he allowed to happen to himself in order to pay the penalty for your lies, for your slanders. Jesus, the one who is truth in the flesh, was lied about, he was betrayed, he was slandered. His words were twisted into blasphemy against his father. Facing all of that, Jesus did what he came to do, and that is to take it all into himself. He takes our evil words. He takes our slandering of others. He takes our lack of excusing others. He takes it all into himself, being our sin. And with all of that, he goes his way to the cross. And even there, he suffers more degradation, more slander, more mockery. But he takes all of that, all our lies, all these sins, and he, he brings them to his grave, and he leaves them there. He's paid for them, which means your sin is gone. Though your sins be as scarlet, they are as white as snow. That is Jesus for you, even with the sins of your deceitful words. This is the absolution, there in Christ, and he still says to each of you, your sin is forgiven in Jesus' name, paid for with an astronomical cost, the blood of the very Son of God, but that cost willingly, deliberately, and lovingly paid for by Jesus for every one of you. Believe it, for that forgiveness is truly yours through faith in Jesus. Amen. And glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.